Yes, another episode of Five Rounds here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Alex Dono alongside James Walker. We are down a man today. Frank Safri, <laughs> as you can imagine, this time of year, he's got family stuff heading into the Thanksgiving holiday tomorrow. So James and I will hold down the fort here today. I want to remind you guys before we get in to the meat and the potatoes of our conversations here tonight, Five Rounds, where we talk combat sports each and every week. Usually we're on Thursdays. We're doing Wednesday this week for obvious reasons. I hope everyone, everybody enjoys their Thanksgiving tomorrow. But we are served by the Quarter Deck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. The Quarter Deck makes this show possible. Five Reasons Sports had an awesome watch party at the Quarter Deck Davy location yesterday. And the Heat actually won. Usually the Heat don't play so well on the nights of a Five Reasons watch party. The curse was broken. They didn't play well, though, actually. but They were down, quarter, right? Yeah, they, they were down against a bad Detroit team until the fourth quarter. But Tyler Hero put on his Superman cape. So the Heat actually won on the night of a Five Reasons watch party, which was awesome. Guys, I, I can't highly recommend enough the Quarterdeck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. The seafood is always fresh. The fresh mahi-mahi. I love the buffalo shrimp. I love the sushi. There are so many options at the Quarterdeck. The burgers and sandwiches are great if you're not a seafood fan. Try the jerk chicken sandwich. That's a relatively new menu item. It's really good, really spicy. It's delicious. Guys, uh, I'm sure the viewers of this show are always interested to know the Quarter Deck has every UFC pay-per-view fight for zero cover. You pay nothing at the door to watch a UFC pay-per-view at the Quarter Deck. Enjoy that delicious food and knock down the two-for-one drink specials. Two-for-one happy hour is all day, every day. If you want to find the location nearest to you or check out their menu before you go, visit them on the web at quarterdeckrestaurants.com. The Quarterdeck, come for the food, stay for the fun. And hello to our guy, Alex M., who's in bright and early. Let me introduce my co-host, James Walker. I am Alex Dono. He's James Walker. James, I hope uh, your Thanksgiving preparations at home are going well. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, everything's good. Uh, pretty light on the preparations for Thanksgiving, man. We're, uh, we're actually going to order out. No turkey. Not a turkey. Oh, guy. you know, that's not a bad way to go. Some of the best, uh, some of the best, I, I think I, I was going to say some of the best, but I think we've only done this once. There was one year where we didn't have a whole lot of family around because they were traveling and, and we actually ate out on Thanksgiving and it was fantastic. So, yep. it, it, you know, there, there are different ways to do this. That will be the walkers this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is tremendous. So here's here's a bit of news, okay? And do you think, James, that this is just the usual Conor McGregor bravado? He's trying to talk himself or talk Dana White into granting his wish here. Conor McGregor, who's on the mend from that broken leg that he suffered in the third fight against Dustin Poirier, McGregor writes on social media, Hi, lads, here goes, he said. Clicks and the like, your boss and whatnot, the Mac, Santa Claus. I'm <laughs> facing whoever the fuck has the lightweight title next, he said. Deal with it. Take <laughs> off your goggles and mark the trilogy unfinished. Deal with that too. The rest mentioned after this, deal with it. So McGregor says that when he is, and everything I've heard and seen is that uh, his recovery is ahead of schedule. He's smashing the timetable. You know, he's been doing some workouts and stuff. So he seems to be not that long from coming back from that leg injury. Conor McGregor, who is one in three in his last four fights, James, is claiming he's going to fight for the lightweight belt next. A, because I think that the two answers to these different questions may not be the same. So I'll ask it two, two ways. A, okay. does he deserve it? 
And B, do you think he's going to get it? Yeah, those are two different questions and two interesting questions. Does he deserve it? No way. Uh, no way. I mean, one in four if you count Mayweather, even though that was in boxing. Uh, That's so a good point. he's really only won one fight uh, since 2017. Um, so I don't know any fighter on the roster who could do that and get a title shot um, on his comeback. So no, he absolutely doesn't deserve it. Even if you make him fight one opponent, I think that would have some justification, maybe not enough justification, but give him one top five opponent, give him Michael Chandler, give him some exciting fight in the top five for him to prove that he is still, you know, Mystic Mac. Uh, I think in his mind, he's still that guy. He's still that guy five years ago at MSG with his hands behind his back against Eddie Alvarez. I think in his mind, he's still that guy, but in everyone else's mind, um, you know, that have seen him over the last four years or so, uh, he, he's no longer that guy. It hasn't even been close to, to being that dominant. So, um, so no, he doesn't deserve it. Will he get it? I think that's more of a question that's, that's harder to answer. And I think we'll find out really, he's going to be the ultimate litmus test. If the UFC is strictly about making money or if they are about the rankings and who's deserving and things like that. We've seen a lot of evidence on the contrary. You know, I can name several fighters who have been deserving, but haven't gotten title shots. I mean, I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now, Carla Esparza, for example, right now, um, you know, if just on, on the women's side who has won some fights, has beaten the current champion um, and, and hasn't, uh, you know, just hasn't gotten that fight just because she isn't as marketable. Mystic Think about Matt. how frustrated our guy Stipe Miocic is that he yeah. wasn't he that he wasn't made a part of that interim title fight. He feels disrespected, yep. and like I understand why it's happening to Stipe, but it it goes into your argument. I think the reason why Stipe gets passed over is he's just not very exciting, even though he's a longtime yep. former champion. So the argument works both ways. Someone who's incredibly exciting, like Connor, is going to get opportunities he doesn't deserve, and a guy who is deserving by merit, but not that exciting, like Stipe is going to get passed over. Yep. And, and here's here's the wild card. What if Dustin Poirier beats Charles Oliveira? Mm -hmm. That makes it very tough for the UFC not to make that trilogy fight for the title, raise stakes, unfinished business. Really, that was the only only part of the tweet that I kind of agree with, even though Connor lost, you know, the last two. But, you know, he did break his leg on the last fight. Um, is that, yeah, you can make a case at least that there's unfinished business. So if Dustin Poirier wins the fight uh, next month in December, I think there's a selling point for the UFC to make that matchup happen. It's a title fight. Some people kind of looked at Poirier, Connor two, I'm sorry, three uh, as the title fight in the summer, even though, uh, you know, Oliveira had the belt anyway. So I, I think they do have a selling point for that to happen, even though it's it's not fair um, to the rest of the division. So that, that'll be interesting to see. Now, Charles, Charles Oliveira wins. That's a whole nother bag um, that's worth discussing whether Connor should be in there against Oliveira. I, I think there's a better case um, against that. I think you hit the nail on the head that the only way that this could happen and that the UFC can make this seem like a somewhat logical sporting decision would be if Poirier wins the belt. And I think he will. Now, there are no guarantees in life because Charles Oliveira is a tough guy and he can win fights in a lot of different ways, right? He can knock yep. you out. He can sub you. He can win a decision. I think I think Dustin Poirier is just better than he is and him being a little bit bigger, packing more power. I think Dustin Poirier is going to win the belt. And yeah, like you said, if Dustin Poirier wins the belt, the UFC has a hook, right? Because it's not going to be nearly as egregious. Now, again, I look at a Conor McGregor who 
is one and three in his last four fights. And like you said, if you count boxing, you probably shouldn't. But if you were to count the yeah. Mayweather thing, he's one and four in his last five fights. It's criminal. Like for an organization that still at least pretends, you know, because they have rankings, right? And, and you know, rankings haven't been around forever. Like people, people forget. Like you and I, we've been watching the UFC long enough to remember when official rankings, because websites have always done their own, but the official UFC rankings, have only been around since around 2012 when they first got on Fox because they're like, oh, the sport is mainstream. Now we need rankings. So you even have rankings. And if you were to give Conor McGregor one and three in his last four MMA fights, just a fast track title shot, uh, it's just a slap in the face. And like our guy Alex M mentions here, Islam Mahachev, nine fight winning streak. You'd be talking about passing over people like Islam to give Conor McGregor a title fight. It's not it's not a good decision, however you slice it. But if Poirier does win the belt, you have your hook there because Dana White even said it right after their fight when Conor and Conor McGregor, I thought, was on his way to losing that fight anyway. But, you know, you to be fair, he could have come back. Like, I can't say 100 percent certainly that Dustin Poirier would have won that fight. I think he would have won that fight anyway if Conor hadn't broken the leg. That fast-tracked it, and it leaves some uncertainty. And Dana White said it after their third fight when Conor broke his leg. White said, there's unfinished business here. This chapter is not closed. These guys are going to fight again. So <laughs> money, 100%. Yeah. If Dustin Poirier beats Charles Oliveira – I think that they could very well give a title shot to Connor. I don't have to like it, but I will watch it. All right. Oh, now, yeah. on the flip side, if Oliveira beats Poirier, there's no hook there whatsoever. And there are other exciting fights you can make for Connor. Like if you don't have if you don't have the built-in feud and grudge and and you know the unfinished business, there's no reason to do Connor versus Oliveira for the title. You know, talking about unfinished business, you know, you have an unsettled potential trilogy between Connor and Nate Diaz. I would yeah. love to see that fight. I would love to see this one as well. Another piece of unfinished business, Max Holloway, former yeah. featherweight champ, did an interview this past week on TMZ, and he claims, does Holloway, that he is on the short list to fight Connor. Like He also talked about the possibilities of fighting Volkanovsky again. There's also unfinished business there, because I, I thought, poor, I thought uh, Holloway sorry, should have won the last fight against Volkanovsky, but the judges didn't go his way. So there's unfinished business there. But there's also unfinished business with Connor because he and Connor fought back in 2013 <laughs> and Connor beat him by decision. Um how old was Max then? Like 17? How old was Max in 2013? Yeah, oh, he was like 20. Probably like 21 or something. Very yeah. young in Max Holloway's career. So so Holloway lost to McGregor by decision nine, eight, eight, nine years ago, eight years ago roughly. And since that time, Holloway has gotten so much better. And I don't think Connor has gotten any better <laughs> since 2000. Yeah. He's pretty much the same guy that he was back then. So I would love to see the two of them scrap again. That would just be a, a special interest fight. And, and he claims, does Holloway, that he's on the short list for that. I wouldn't but, mind seeing that whatsoever. Alex, let me provide the other side to that. Just, just playing the other side. Um, what is in it for both Holloway and McGregor um, for that fight? Other than, you know, it's a good fight and it's a good money fight and it's a rematch. But if Holloway wins, he's in the same spot he was anyway as the number one contender to Volkanovsky. If Connor wins, does that really 
you know, does that put him closer to a title or anything? He's beating a guy from a smaller weight class, although a good, a, you know, a great fighter. They probably um, do it at 155, though. But, yeah, I still I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah it, it, that seems kind of like a placeholder fight to me, yeah. you know, as far as, you know, not really advancing the ball, um, you know, for anything. There's no title on the line, obviously. You know, it probably, you know, keeps Max on the shelf from facing Volkanovski for another year or, you know, eight months or so. Um, I'm not I'm not as big a fan of that matchup right now. It's just it's just the timing. It doesn't seem like there's nothing on the line. There's really nothing to be gained by either guy. Um, you know, if, if if Holloway beats McGregor, it doesn't really do anything for him. I don't think at this point. Yeah, I'll play devil's advocate on that. Um, I, 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 I agree with you quite a bit on the Holloway side. As far as like moving the ball, I don't I, I think that's completely irrelevant for Connor now. I think for Connor, it's just all about putting on the biggest possible fights and cashing checks. Holloway, though, he is somebody and he's had his title run and it was a good one. So like maybe at this point in Holloway's career, because for for the lighter guys, for the people under, you know, really under 170 pounds, I know the lightweight division is always stacked. But, you know, the the lighter guys and then Holloway, he's fought lightweight, but a featherweight, the people under 155 don't tend to make as much money because the fights just aren't as big of sells for the most part. There've been a, a handful of exceptions and most of those exceptions involved Conor McGregor when he was fighting at 145. So I think for Holloway, just the opportunity to make what for him would probably be a general uh, generational payday would may just supersede that. And for McGregor, I don't, I don't think moving the ball matters at all for him because like, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. I know he loves collecting belts, never defended them, but he loved collecting <laughs> belts back in the day. But for McGregor, at this point, you know, you got uh, you got mansions, you got private jets, you got a lot of bills to pay. You have to keep that income coming in. He probably only cares about the money at this point. Yeah, I, I got a I got a uh, interesting matchup for you, and and it was mentioned in the comments by Alex M. Or not, uh, you know, he mentioned the fighter anyway mm -hmm. uh, in the comments. What about Connor versus Islam next year? Uh, Conor, Conor McGregor would be better off just never stepping it's, in the octagon it's, again. It's an awful matchup, obviously, yeah. uh, but I think there's a lot of storylines there. You know, Conor, you know, mm -hmm. would love to get his hands on Khabib, but can't. What's mm -hmm. the next best thing? You know, beat Khabib's top protege. Um, yeah, true. Is, Islam is, you know, kind of in need of some star power. Um, you know, he would he's already kind of rising up as as, you know, kind of like the next big thing. A win over Connor, especially a dominant win over Connor, uh, would, would put him over the top as as an international superstar. Just like just like Khabib's star was already high, but once he beat Connor as dominant as he did, he became an international superstar. I, I I think Khabib's camp would be for that. You know that. Oh, I'm sure they would be. Yeah, uh, they, that, they would love. But you know what, Connor? I think Connor is so smart. The only way he would ever accept the fight with Islam Mahachev would be if Islam did have a belt. I think that's the only way. Like I, because that to me, that's an unwinnable fight for Conor McGregor. Like, okay, maybe if they were to fight 10 times, maybe in one of those 10, McGregor could catch him with something really early. But it's it's virtually unwinnable for him because Islam is just too much of a grinder, too much of a grappler. His strength plays into Conor's weakness. And we've seen that weakness from Conor exploited multiple times in the octagon. So I, I think Conor's way too smart to take that fight. In fact, if, uh, if Khabib wasn't a champion, I don't think Connor ever would have taken that fight, right? I think he only did it because, hey, there's there's a belt. This is a big sell. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible that Connor would ever fight Islam Mahachev. I'm just saying it would only happen, James, if Islam won the belt first, 
then all the storylines you talk about would come into play and you could do the beef team Khabib versus Conor McGregor and it would be very sellable. I just think Conor would be smart enough to duck that fight unless there was championship gold on the line. Alex M says Connor would uh, would twist him into a pretzel. I think he probably <laughs> would. But I, I don't know if you were, I don't know James if you're saying something you froze up for a second. But you're, you're you seem to be back now. Oh yeah, no, I was, I was gonna say yeah, I, I I agree with all that. But there's there's tons of great matches. I mean, you got Chandler, you got Gaethje. I, I don't think Chandler, Gaethje that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't think Gaethje gets back in the octagon unless it's for a title shot, and and, and he deserves it. Uh, he he probably should be the next guy. But if Connor jumps him, I think Gaethje loses loses mine. Now let me let me ask you this: um, If Connor were to fight Michael Chandler, there would be a clear path to victory for Chandler, and it would be use your wrestling because he he mm-hmm. is he he does come from a wrestling background, but he has made the conscious decision over and over and over again to abandon his wrestling and just throw haymakers. So, and, and I think that fighters who have that sort of a spirit, because he he's a gunslinger. Michael Chandler, right? And I, I think he I think he understands that, you know, there are some exceptions, but most of the fans don't pay $70 for these things or pay hundreds of dollars for tickets to watch people wrestle. They pay these exorbitant prices to watch people throw haymakers. That's what he likes to do. Do you think if Chandler got in the octagon with Conor McGregor, he would make the decision to take the easiest path to victory and use his wrestling? Or would he just say, you know what? The fans love me because I scrap. I'm going to scrap. Maybe I'll catch him. Maybe he catches me. I I think he would maybe start that way to make it exciting. And then after getting sparked a couple times, because Conor is very accurate and and kind of, you know, feel that power. Because with Conor, it's, it's a different kind of power. Um, where, where Gaethje is just, a, a he just throws bricks, you know, he just throws heavy, everything hurts, the kicks hurt, the punches hurt. Connor's more an accuracy to where he hits you right in the accurate spot to where you just kind of lose your equilibrium. Um, and, and before you know it, you know, you're, you're dizzy. So it's a, it's a different kind of power, um, you know, with, with Connor versus Gaethje. Um, so yeah, I, I think once he felt that, especially on the accuracy, accuracy side a couple times, he may go back, you know, at that point, he'd go back to his wrestling and, and that's kind of his path uh, to win the fight. But it would be an exciting fight. I, I think that I think that's a natural matchup and just make it. I mean, you can't make it a number one contender spot because Chandler just lost. Uh, but you can make it a number one contender spot for Connor, so to speak, and say, hey, this is your proving ground. Let's see if you deserve to be in that conversation. Yeah. And like in Connor, like he's not unwilling. At least he hasn't been in recent memory to like taking kind of special attraction fights like, he, you know, when he, he fought Donald Cerrone. Now, maybe because Donald Cerrone's kind of a legend. So maybe Connor would say, you know, Michael Chandler doesn't bring as much star power to the table. But I think Chandler is pretty, pretty powerful, pretty popular these days, I should say. Let, let me let me get to because uh, uh, Alex M has been on a tear in the chat and hello as well to the the Finns tailgate TFTG which I think is our guy, uh, Chris, who says, Connor is washed, please stop, con nerd. But Alex M has thrown a lot of possible names of opponents uh, at lightweight. And I'm just going to, James, I'm going to rattle off some names. And okay. tell me tell me if you think McGregor would beat any of these guys. And and, and if so, tell tell me who and how many of these guys. So we've seen. Are, are we going five rounds or three? Um, that makes a difference to me with Connor. does make a difference. I, I'm assuming any Connor fight would be five rounds because it's probably okay. going to be a main or a special co-main probably in Maine because I, I can't imagine Connor not fighting in the Maine so it's always going to be five rounds all right gotcha. so I'll, I'll throw out some names we, we already talked about some of these uh but Islam Mahachev I'll rattle these off and you tell me which of these guys Connor beats okay Islam Mahachev 
Brian Ortega, Alex Volkanovsky, who's the featherweight champion, uh, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson. Do you think Connor beats oh. any of these guys? I think he could beat Tony Ferguson at this point. I agree. Point. <laughs> I agree because t- Tony that, is washed. Yeah, I, I think Tony's on the on the tail end of this, and and you know probably be better for him to kind of sit you know sit sit out for a while, if not you know for the rest of his career. But um, yeah, Islam, I, I think that's a really tough matchup. Uh, who are some of the other guys you mentioned? Uh, well, he, here's another we could throw in: uh, Benil Dariush. I, I think I think Connor gets waxed there as well. Um, let me see who are the other ones I I, I named. Um, let me see. Islam, oh, um, Mike, Gaethje, Michael, Chandler. Yeah, he doesn't beat Gaethje. Uh, Michael yeah. Ch- Michael Chandler. I think I think that's closer to a 50-50 fight. It is, especially if Chandler takes the tough guy route and and just says, "Hey, let's see." Oh, I think I might have lost James. Oh, there we go. Oh, there, there you are. There you are. Think I'm losing him again. Oh man, L- let me uh, let me go through while he's uh, while he's getting his uh, connection sorted. Oh, I, th- I think he's back. James, are you there? Oh, I think we're going in and out quite a bit. You, you might need to uh, you might need to disconnect and reconnect here. So I, I want to go through. Uh, yeah, pr- pr- probably probably turn it off and uh, and reconnect. That usually fixes it. So yeah. So here's what Max Holloway said. He told TMZ Sports that the next opponent for McGregor after he comes back from snapping his leg could very well be him because according to Holloway, he is on the quote unquote short list to fight the notorious one. I would love to know who else is on that short list. Uh, I would imagine that several of the names we have just talked about would probably be on that short list, but yeah, I, I would love to know where he sits on that. All right, James is back, and I want to let everybody know that in, in a few minutes, probably in about five minutes, we are going to talk again. This is a five-rounds follow-up because last week we spoke to my pal and everybody's pal now, Elliot Brownstein, who is a photog slash videographer slash radio guy who also trains MMA and occasionally fights amateur. So we talked to him, James, a couple of days before his fight at Rise of a Warrior this past weekend in uh, in Fort Pierce, Port St. Lucie, one of those two. I always get him mixed up. And he won. He won his fight by nice. submission. I saw the video of it. He looked great. He is now 3-0 and in amateur. So I cannot wait to talk again with Elliot and just kind of get his thoughts on how that went down. Cause I'm always, I'm always fascinated James, because you know, when, when we bring fighters on, we typically bring on lifers. Like we bring on career guys who have, you know, who have known from a very young age that they've wanted to fight for a living and they, they train for it 24 seven, like thoroughbreds. I find it fascinating when we talk to somebody who it's, it's really a hobby for him. Right. And, and he even said, he doesn't want to go pro. He just wants to do the occasional amateur fights. Because to me, it's like fighting, it's such an interesting thing to moonlight in, right? I mean, a yeah. lot of people, you may play like softball games with your friends or pick up basketball, soccer on the weekends. I don't know too many people who just like dabble in fighting. I know a lot of people who are completely out or completely in. So I always find his perspective fascinating. Yeah, fighting so interesting because I, I can't imagine it being very fun unless you're winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. not one of those things where, you know, playing basketball, you know, you win some, you lose some, all good. You know, playing flag football or tennis or pickleball or whatever, golf, you know, <laughs> golf, you lose a lot in golf. But yet it's, yeah, it's so much fun for I people. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm awful at golf. But, you know, you keep swinging away and hacking away. But fighting seems like an awful, awful sport if, if you're losing. So 
and you know, so to do it as a hobby, you know, not something that you train with 24 seven and, and things like that, that, that takes a ton of courage. So, so props to him. Absolutely. Now, before uh, Elliot's going to join us in a little bit, I want to go through the, uh, the social media fight between Nate Diaz, my guy, um, Ben Askren and Jake Paul. Okay. So th this whole exchange started with BJ Penn. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if BJ runs the account or not, cause it's the bjpen.com account. I'm never sure if it's BJ running it or if it's just his website, but they tweeted out a quote from Ben Askren, I think was on, on with Joe Rogan and Askren, you remember the former UFC and Bellator champion who, uh, who boxed Jake Paul and he lost, which really wasn't that surprising because Askren, I, I don't think I've ever seen a guy throw a punch in an <laughs> MMA fight. Like he's, he's the farthest thing from an MMA striker. So when he was interviewed recently, he admitted that Jake Paul, in his words, is kind of good at boxing. And then Nate Diaz responded to that tweet and said, coming from a retired wrestler who can't fight or box. <laughs> and then Jake Paul responded to Diaz and said, you have six times as many losses as Ben Askren. Let that sink in. And then Nate responded to Jake Paul and said, he sucks, Jake. You get smoked in a real fight, though. You can't really fight. Boxing matches with wrestlers only. Let that sink in. So, and there were a couple more tweets, but, uh, and then uh, Jake Paul said, I own the entire city of Stockton. Let that sink in. I think that's bullshit. I don't think there's any way that, uh, <laughs> that you know, Jake Paul is more popular in Stockton than the Diaz brothers. Uh, but I, I thought that was fantastic. And, and we'll, we'll bring in Elliot in a moment. But James, uh, Diaz kind of has a point there, right? Because, you know, Jake Paul, this undefeated boxer, his boxing matches to this point have been against retired NBA players and retired or washed up MMA fighters. Like it's just, you know, he hasn't proven yet. He's a real boxer. Yeah. He's selectively picking his opponents, but I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, there's a lot of, especially in boxing, the first 10 fights or so, you know, if you're a prospect, they're managing these guys careers. That's why there's so many fighters that are 10 and 0, 12 and 0 coming up uh, because they, they hand select opponents that, you know, that they can, they feel they know they can beat to kind of, prove their worth. And then, you know, eventually you got to take some chances. So that's, that's just the boxing game. Uh, but I, I think this might be setting, setting it up for, a, you know, a Paul Diaz uh, fight who, who wouldn't want to see that, you know? Um, and, and the other thing, what, you know, Nate always brings this up about, you know, a real fight, you know, like, what does that mean? That does that mean, you know, when you're at the bar and you're in a street fight or, you, you know, you run into somebody on the corner in the, in the mean streets of Stockton or, you know, what, what is this real fight stuff that, that Nate always brings up? Because, I mean, really, that the UFC is, is about as, you know, as, as real as it gets yeah. within, within the rules without eye gouging and throwing trash cans and all, you know, crazy stuff in bottles. Well, I, I think that's what he means. I think he means step into the octagon or or you know what? In this context. I think that can include boxing. I think all he means in this context is, you know, you, you've got like talk talking to Jake Paul, you've got a very lucrative contract with Showtime Boxing and he's going to be fighting Tommy Fury up next who I think is Tyson's like half brother or quarter brother or something. So like he, he's getting closer to real competition as he moves along. But I think all Nate is saying there is if you're if you're now a professional boxer fight other professional boxers oh, instead you're fighting you're fighting basketball players and wrestlers so I, I think a quote-unquote real fight would be fight someone who's actually trained to box gotcha gotcha okay <laughs> well he's getting he's getting there you know give him a few more fights if he gets past fury 
put Nate in there. I, that I'll I'll pay to see that. That'll be a good you know that'll be a good fight. And, and Nate's contract is up after his next fight, so yeah, he'd be free to do you know whatever. After and this. I agree with uh, poop slap poop slap in the comments who said Diaz looking for a payout. I want Nate to give him that Stockton slap. Oh man, I I would love that as well. Let, let, let's bring in let's bring in our guest, and we we had to bring this man back because we I'd like to think we gave him good luck. Before hey, the past we weekend, there it is, Congrats. and he went out there. The Reaper, he is now three and zero in amateur MMA. And bro, I, I appreciate you sending out the video. Uh, you won the fight by submission, which is great. First of all, how good did it feel to get a stoppage? Because it's one thing to win a fight; it's got to be another thing to feel your opponent tap and get your hand raised that way. Yeah, I, and I've never had that in my life. Uh, you know, many boxing bouts, you know, two previous MMA fights before that, it's always gone to decision. I've never been that knockout guy. And I was I was generally surprised. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't well, believe it. Well, 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 talk us through it, because uh, how, how did you end up catching him and getting that tap? Um, I listened to my coaches, you know, and that's the biggest thing is that you got to have good corner people and good coaches, trainers throughout your camp and during the fight. It's, you know, I didn't do what I had to do in that first round. Um, and I sat down and my coach said, he's like, listen, sit down, set up the takedown, get those jabs pumping, get those punches going. And he's like, and you'll get where you have to go. And that's exactly what happened. I set up the jabs, uh, hit him with a good right hook that backed him up to the fence and, uh, or to the cage. And, um, I was able to, uh, he, he flipped me over and then he tried to do a takedown. So I just kind of put my weight on top of him. And that's the difference between us big guys. We just kind of use our weight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was able to get on top of him, try to get some, uh, control in there. And honestly, it was just kind of a thing of beauty where I was trying to get control and I saw he let up just slightly and I was like, all right, just go for it. Elliot, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe last week we talked about, there was a long layoff in between, you know, this fight and your previous fight. Um, did you feel any rust coming in or were you concerned about that? Or just tell me about that part in terms of the, the, the ring rust, octagon rust coming in. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I was very calm, cool, and collected throughout the day, kind of just joking around with, uh, with, with the other guys and just kind of having fun, trying to ease my nerves a little bit. Um, I will say going in that first round, it, the nerves got to me where I, I didn't stick with the game plan per se. Uh, it was it was until, you know, he had me down in in, in, uh, in a vulnerable position where I had to really kind of click, click it into gear. And I think knowing that I lost that first round uh, to the judges, that really kicked it into gear where that second round was like, all right, listen, you already lost one round. You have to win the next two. So it, that's what really changes it. We're joined here by the undefeated Elliot the Reaper Brownstein, who I'm so I'm so, and I'm happy we could say that. And you know, it's it's funny because because uh, James and I were talking about something, and like you probably can't even relate to this because you haven't lost. Like as far as you know, I'm I'm sure that getting in getting in the cage and and fighting mixed martial arts, it's a lot of fun when you're getting hand raised. And I would imagine you know you you've been bested in training before, unless you're like secretly the biggest stud on the planet. Maybe you no one has ever gotten the best of you in training, but like it's a lot of fun when you're winning. Like, have you ever even like allowed yourself to mentally prepare for the idea of how would it feel if I lost? Uh I I, I think that's what like I said last week, that's what pushes me forward to not lose. 
it's it's knowing it's like wow what if you do lose like <laughs> is this what you want to keep on doing because a lot of people lose and then they quit they drop off they leave it's it's that it's that loss that really is, is like i don't want to do this anymore because i just lost and i love it when we win but when we lose I, I, i'm out of here it's like the fairweather fans you know for sports <laughs> it's like you know they leave they don't watch the games anymore it's it you know i think losing that first round which is not something i had i hadn't lost a round in 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 five years you know i've won all my fights unanimously i've dominated and losing that first round to you know said i would say a weaker opponent or someone that doesn't have a winning record it it was tough for me to to get that i was like wow i just i went in there knowing that i was going to win and i just lost a round and i have to pick it up It, it was very tough for me to hit that and and that's what's got to keep you going. That's it, it's got to move you forward. Losing is what you know. They say it's not losing; it's learning. Elliot, how did you celebrate the win that night? Did you do anything, or did you just nurse your nurse your wounds, or what, what did you do that night after the win? I uh, <laughs> yeah, as you can see, a little bit of a black or a black eye right here. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't uh, even really <laughs> notice until you showed it. Yeah, that yeah. I, it's not too um, bad. Yeah, I felt great. Um, I wasn't gassed at all. Um, I, it was a quick second round, so uh, my wife got me a couple drinks and. Uh, we Ubered home. <laughs> yeah. nice. It was it was a good one. Nice. Oh man, Elliot the Reaper Brownstein is with us, and uh, and you you could answer this better than me because from from the the camera angle I saw in the video it looked like an arm triangle. What was it that you caught him in? It was actually just a, a pressure control. Um, surprisingly, I, I was able to get that in. Um, it, it did look like an arm triangle where you know you, you kind of get him in a good chokehold, but uh, honestly, what I was trying to do is I was in I was in top. And I was just trying to center line that up and get my head underneath his chin. And he made the mistake of turning his head away as I'm trying to do that. So my forehead was into his jawline and I had good arm position and I was able to just squeeze that in there and put that pressure right onto his jawline. And and he tapped right away. Ellie, we have a question in the comments for you. I'll read it from Alex M. It says, what was going through your mind as you walk to the cage from Alex M? Um, (laughs) <laughs> when <laughs> it was, it was, uh, there was a lot, it, it was just, you know, kind of, I, you know, I walked, I, I was still joking around cause I, I mean, the, the ref, you know, asked me if I had my cup on, I told him to feel it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I was still joking around. Did he? Time and, and, no, he did not. He's yeah. like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, um, you know, but it, it still was a lot of nerves. I, I, I had major tunnel vision and, and tunnel vision is good. Cause you, you wipe out the crowd you listen to your, you hear for your coaches and, and I just think it was too much uh, tunnel vision at the time. I had no focus going into that first round. And, and that's why I said getting, getting my face kind of pummeled in that first round helped out because it really locked me into gear. I, I my thoughts were uh, honestly just, you know, they say you can't think of nothing, but I honestly had no thoughts going through my head. Now, so I got to ask you, what's next? You going to do this again? Uh, and and if so, I want to come out to the next one. I, c- I couldn't make it out to this one. Uh, maybe if you do something not during football season, I can get out there. <laughs> uh, you know, we got to see. We got to talk to the wife, make sure. She had like about four anxiety attacks. Cause the, fight, <laughs> the fight before us was uh, a great, great uh, uh, woman's, woman's fight, MMA, uh, for my friends over at Homestead, uh, Felix Bonsierga over at full contact fitness and, and homestead. And, uh, that, that the one girl's nose got broken mm, and wow. my, my wife was just thinking, Oh my gosh, I can't handle this. So there's a lot of nerves going uh, through with her. So 
I got to ask her permission first. <laughs> well, fair enough, man. And, and, and of course, uh, let us know as soon if you get something lined up, let us know. And we want to be, uh, if not literally, at least figuratively in your corner for the next one. Uh, I appreciate so, that. Yeah, best of luck with everything. Elliot the Reaper Brownstein, thank you so much for taking the time, man. And uh, and we'll have you on again, man. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, oh, hold, hold on. Let me get one more. Oh. Uh, Alex M. wants oh. another question here. Uh, what was your post-fight meal? And how important is uh, the wifey to your fight preparations? Uh, well, to answer the wife question, she was she was great. Um, she, she suffered through the long nights and... and long hours of training weekends nights and and she was just uh, you know she we have three kids and she took care of all that and awesome. she was amazing it's you know i i couldn't i couldn't have done this without her you know especially with with three kids and my post fight meal what uh i think i had a hot dog and, oh nice <laughs> yeah and and then uh i think uh, oh you know what and then i had like four slices of pizza i just kept eating yeah <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It yeah, was no, worth, it was worth the celebration. Yes, oh, I love it, man. Elliot, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you again. Have a great night and a, and a great happy Thanksgiving, by yes. the way. Yep. Yes, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Tell Frank if I love. I will. I will. Yeah, we gave, we gave the Frank we gave Frank the night off tonight. Um, real quick, uh, James, and uh, I got a Thanksgiving question for you. But first, a um, couple, couple of uh, of recaps from this past weekend. So turned out to be a couple of excellent fights, but Ketlin Vieira did some work on Misha Tate's face. And I was yeah. a little bit worried for Ketlin because um, it was somewhat obvious she was winning the fight because she was landing the cleaner, better punches. And then in the fifth round, she rearranged Misha Tate's nose and she was an absolute bloody mess. But Misha, like, she went out on her shield. Like, Misha was – she was more aggressive. She was the one charging forward. She landed some good punches of her own, was working in her wrestling a little bit. So if you're going by like the octagon control angle of it, you know, Misha was a bit more assertive. Ketlin Vieira was just better. And so I thought the judges got it right, giving her that decision. Uh, and then also I, I feel kind of bad for Misha. And I, I have to wonder if she was focused enough on what was right in front of her, because we talked last week about her quotes about how, you know, she had this plan of she was going to fight for the belt again. And it was a dream to fight Ronda Rousey again. And it's like, maybe next yeah. time, even in interviews, like don't, don't talk about what comes after yeah. this. Just focus on your opponent. Yeah. As, as far as the fight, man, I immediately after the fight, I thought Tate won the fight, but you know, Alex and I M felt the same way. And I, I, I didn't watch it a second or third time, um, you know, to kind of see how, you know, round by round, which, but I, I felt Tate was pressing the action the entire time and that Caitlin could have been more aggressive. I mean, she was obviously the stronger fighter. Like her punches were obviously doing more damage. When when Tate connected, it was just kind of brushing off. When when Vieira connected, it, it was doing heavy damage. And you saw Misha Tate's eye, um, you know, pretty much closed at, at the at the end of the fight. So um, so it was one of those things to where I, you know, whoever won the fight, you couldn't really I, I wouldn't have put up a big debate either way. I thought Tate might have won a, a close one, but more so by points. I think Vieira did much more damage, um, you know, to that fight um, in that fight. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I thought about that immediately after the fight for Tate, too. I kind of felt bad for her in terms of where does she go from here? You know, that like her road was already going to be a long one. Um, and, you know, she probably was going to have to win, you know, three fights, four fights to even be considered. Um, you know, in title contention. And now I, I don't I don't think she gets in title contention. I mean, she yeah. probably has to win like four or five in a row, which is very hard to do. 
uh, especially at her age in this stage of her career. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't really know where she goes from here. I say put her in some, you know, fights against big names, but not necessarily highly ranked, you know, opponents and, and kind of see, but she, she clearly has something left in the tank. She put yeah. up a good fight. You know, some people can say she won, uh, you know, against a, a you know, a, a top seven ranked uh, opponent. So it was a good fight. I, I, I was entertained. It, it was a good fight. Both, both fighters came to fight for sure. And the co the co-main was entertaining as well, very entertaining. And I'll, I'll give credit to Alex M because I remember saying at the end of last week that, uh, and I actually I think he was watching the the segment that I did with Lee Sterling where we did some fight picks on my daily show on Friday, and and Lee Lee went with Chiesa. I actually agreed, and Chiesa, if there had been maybe two more rounds to that three round fight, Chiesa maybe would have won the fight. Because Sean Brady, I think, did tire himself out uh, a little bit. But but Brady over Chiesa, that was an impressive performance in his biggest fight to date for Sean Brady. His grappling was the difference. And I've never seen Chiesa out grappled to that degree. So that is very, very impressive. He landed several takedowns, had Chiesa's back working for chokes for much of the second round and the third round. Chiesa, though had flurries of strikes, even landed a takedown late in the third round and and really just ran out of time because who knows, you know, what would have happened if he had championship rounds there and main event rounds and he didn't. So I I I came away I came away somewhat impressed with both guys. Obviously more impressed with Sean Brady because nobody does that to Michael Chiesa, but also really impressed with Chiesa for being for being that competitive given how lopsided it looked for moments of that fight. Yeah, the, the biggest takeaway I took from that fight was look who was outside the cage watching the fight. Did you notice the champion? Come on, oh, Usman was. was there watching that fight. No, I didn't realize that. I, I thought was very interesting. I'm like, hmm, yeah, obviously he's not there to see Michael Chiesa. I, I, I don't think. Yeah. I think he was kind of watching to see, okay, who's this next hot shot prospect right. in my division that people are talking about? I, I've, you know, if I'm Usman, he's saying he's obviously cleaning out the division. He's starting to lap, you know, lap the division twice. He's looking for fresh blood and not saying that. Uh, Brady is anywhere near at this point. I don't think he, you know, is, is, you know, there in 2022, but look, if, if, you know, he wins, you know, two, three, you know, more fights and Usman is still the champ. I think, you know, Usman, you know, might have a, a new contender. He needs, he needs fresh blood. He needs some new names, um, you know, in the division. Uh, obviously Chimaev is, is the, the next hot shot there, but I think after Chimaev, Brady is probably the next biggest prospect, yeah. um, you know, in his division. And with Usman at this point, you got to think long term because he's beaten everybody, you know. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that a year from now he's still the champion with two more wins under his belt. Uh, so you got to start looking at prospects for him to fight because he's beaten everybody already at the top. You know, and and last one, uh, real quick, I wanted to get to actually to the the curtain jerker of the main card because uh, Alex M made me think about this when he talked about. You know, not completely agreeing with the scorecards on the Misha Tate Ketlin Vieira fight. Talk about scorecards. So, in the first fight in the main card, Adrian Yanez, who just really put on a striking clinic, but against a very game Davy Grant. I mean, Davy Grant was taking a lot of punishment. Yanez's technique was perfect, fluid, landing a ton of clean punches. I mean, it was obvious to me that Yanez won the fight. But Grant had some impressive flurries. And I love Davy Grant's combinations, how he ends so many of them with kicks. I think it's really fun to watch because not a whole lot of guys do that these days. And uh, and landed, you know, or at least came close to landing some good jumping knees in the fight as well. So I thought it was a competitive fight, but I thought it was a clear victory for Adrian Yanez. 
And you actually had somehow this was a split decision. And not only was it a split decision, but the judge that went for Grant gave him all three rounds. Mm. That is, that is criminally bad <laughs> judging. Criminally bad. So split decision, Yanez 29-28, 29-28, Yanez, the rightful winner. And then Davy Grant got a 30-27 scorecard. Like, mm. I hope whoever the judge it was, and I, I, I could have found the name, but I just, uh, you know, whichever judge that it was, like, I hope that person is held accountable for that. Like, I, I hope that, you know, that the Nevada Athletic Commission looks at that and says, like, hey, make us understand what you saw there, and maybe you should sit a few fights out, okay? Yeah, they need to have a... I think we might have frozen James again. I think we might have frozen James. Well, you know what? Oh, you're back. Maybe. Maybe. For, for, freeze it a little bit again. Well, you know what? I, I did want to. Uh, I, I did want to anyway. Uh, I wanted to wrap it up. We got to get out a little bit early tonight because uh, I've actually got to do some last minute uh, shopping for a few Thanksgiving side dishes. Okay. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think I have James back. James. Is yeah. there anything part of like the traditional Thanksgiving spread where you say, I'm not going to bother with this? Like, I'm not a fan of cranberry sauce on turkey, and I'm also yeah. not a fan of the sweet potato casserole. So those two things, I can throw them right in the garbage. Yeah, cranberry sauce, that's a good one. Um, eggnog, yeah, you know, I could do without a little bit. I could Is do that... without that too, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, hey, I'm not really a big turkey guy, man. I like turkey bacon. I'm not either. Yeah. That's about it. But I mean, do you fry that? I've seen people fry the turkey, bake the turkey. At Thanksgiving food is, is really just not my that's not my jam overall. Yeah. Like um, and I, I think Alex said this in the chat as well. Like we we do have a turkey as part of the spread on, oh, by the way, he's 100 percent right. I, I know it's going to be chaos. If you head to Publix now, you're in trouble. Um, I know. I, I know that it's it's not going to be fun. <laughs> but uh, turkey is gains. Oh, it's our guy Jonathan Romlikon is in the Jonathan, chat. Hello, what's Jonathan. Up? Hello, Johnny. Um, yeah, no, I uh, we we have turkey as part of the spread, but usually there's something else like a nice roast pork, uh, which is fantastic. And and I'm not I'm not even Latino, but Italians do like pork as well. So usually there's some pork as part of the spread, some kind of a pasta dish. So that's going to be the way to go. And you know what, my friends, I'll tell you. You want to know what else is better than traditional Thanksgiving food? The food you're going to find at the Quarter Deck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. That is my jam right there. Guys, sometimes I just want all the fresh seafood on my plate. I love the seafood at the Quarter Deck. The sushi, the fresh mahi, the buffalo shrimp. Everything is so good there. Other times, you may not be feeling the seafood. They've got everything, man. The chicken wings are awesome. I've been eating the buffalo wings at Quarter Deck for years. A couple weeks ago at a Quarter Deck watch party, a Five Reasons Sports watch party, I tried for the first time the teriyaki glazed chicken wings. Those were excellent. I'm going to have those again, I think, the next time that I get out there. The sandwiches and burgers are awesome, man. The, uh, the all-American burger, it's so good. The jerk chicken sandwich is amazing. The French dip beef sandwich with the au jus dipping sauce is awesome. The quarter deck is also a great spot to wet your whistle. The two-for-one happy hour is all day, every day. That drink special never ends, my friends. And if you go out there... For college football Saturdays and NFL Sundays, you can take advantage of the 5 for $15 ice-cold buckets of imported beer, high noon hard seltzer, or mix and match those to your heart's content. There is something for everybody at the quarterdeck, and it's a great place to watch all the games 
and to watch every UFC pay-per-view fight for zero cover charge. They never charge a cover for the UFC pay-per-view fight. So if you want to find the location nearest to you or peep their menu before you go, check them out on the web at quarterdeckrestaurants.com. The quarterdeck, come for the food, stay for the fun. And how about this? I think Alex does it right. No turkey in my family. Rice, beans, pork, and a bunch of indigestion. I can relate to that part of it. And liquor. <laughs> That's the way to go. Usually we don't bust out the hard stuff on Thanksgiving, but there's going to be some beer, probably some wine as well. Listen, I had an awesome time as always. James, if you want to let the people know, well, they can see your Twitter handle. Any, anywhere yep. else they should know, you use Instagram, anywhere else they can find you. Uh, nope, pretty much on, only on Twitter. And even then, I've kind of you know laid off the Twitter a little bit uh, since leaving my, leaving my reporting days. Um, so yeah, at James Walker NFL, um, hit me up, follow, DM, whatever you need to do. I'm there. I love it. Follow me on Twitter at Alex Dono. Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. And follow Frank as well. Frank was busy with family stuff tonight, which is understandable. Big day tomorrow. Follow Frank at RealFrank underscore Z on Twitter. Uh, he made his account private for no reason. But you have to request a follow, and then in like two months, he'll figure out how to follow you back. So just do that. Request a follow. He will accept the request eventually, and will probably follow you back. And a huge shout-out to Frank Zaffrey. And, yes, happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone has a great day with family, watching football. Uh, and then, you know, the UFC takes this weekend off. We're going to have Font versus Aldo the following weekend. So we will talk about that next week. We'll be back on Thursday night for another episode of uh, – he's washing his – <laughs> He's washing his blue button ups. <laughs> shirts. Oh, man. We will talk to everybody next time on another episode of Five Rounds on the Five Reasons Sports Network.